It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports commerce and editor, with Rick Roaring as we look back at the Bengals. Holy cow, 34-31 road win at the Houston Texans. It did so much. It snapped Zach Taylor's skid of, of road losses. He is now 1-14-1 in two seasons, has no more road games to coach. They won back-to-back games for the first time in the Zach Taylor era. They won a road game for the first time since uh, early in 2018. I guess, Rick, I'll start with this. Is this just the NFL and it happens, or were you impressed with the way the Bengals played? I mean, it was a lot of offense. I was impressed with two things that the Bengals did. I was impressed with Brandon Allen and and his play at quarterback. And I was impressed with the game that Zach Taylor called offensively. I thought he he did a really good job. And it was a completely different game plan from what you saw a week ago with Ryan Finley. So uh, in those two areas. That's that's the bingo moment. Yep. Yeah. So in those two areas, I I thought they were really good. I thought Houston turned in a F-minus performance. I mean, that was as... Yeah, you sure. just totally mailed it in 100%. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, no, I think there's no question about that. They're not very good. I mean, JJ Watts, the legit lone defender left on that defense, but um, you still have to complete passes. You still have to throw passes. You still have to pass block. You still have to run block. And I'm with you. I thought early in the game, Zach Taylor went with the screen game and it put, put the Texans on edge. Then they changed their defense a little bit. They threw to the outside. Then they changed their defense again. And Brandon Allen talked about that. They were in cover three early and, that's the outside routes are there. And then they change to cover two and hence he hits um, Alex Erickson down the seam. I thought it would have been a more disappointing loss than it was a good win. And I don't say that in a bad way because this team doesn't win a whole lot. Um, but basically the Texans were giving you the game. Now, when William Jackson, the third went out, it changed everything defensively because at that point, Houston just steamrolled the Bengals um, on offense and the Bengals were on their heels completely on defense, but still, um, I, I don't want to crap on this. I don't because um, I, I thought there was a, there was an interesting theme after the game of practicing on Christmas day. And I don't know if you walked outside. I'm sure you did. I know I did to go over to my daughter's house and her, her, uh, her husband's house. And it was cold as can be. And I kept thinking, Oh my gosh, this is brutal. And I didn't even think about a team practicing in that. And that's part of the time of year, but Holy cow. I mean, there's a lot to that. And so they fought through a lot of things to go win this game and credit to them. Yeah, I guess from the overall standpoint, like I don't really care that the Bengals won. I'm not one of the fans no, that's mad about it or anything. I'm not, you know, I don't think, oh, they they've really screwed themselves here, and I'm not going to throw a fit about it. But I also don't see much value in winning that game. Like Houston totally mailed it in. The Bengals have important pieces out with injuries, including Joe Burrow, their quarterback of the future. This win doesn't translate to future success. It's not a predictor of things to come or a Correct. sign that the culture is turning or anything like that. It's fine. But spare me the they're learning how to win nonsense or any of that stuff. You know, I don't want to hear anything like that because, like, come on, it is it is what it is. It's a win over a bad team that gave zero effort on defense. And you, and you want to know how I know that, Skinny? Because there was one sack in this game, technically, and I put that in quotes because it was Sam Hubbard stripping Deshaun Watson on their final offensive play. So that was the only the only sack. The Texans didn't get home a single time the entire game. And that can only mean one thing against this Bengals offensive line. You weren't trying. I mean, point blank. You just didn't try if you didn't get one single sack against this Bengals offensive line. All right. Now now, now hear me out on this though. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you, and I think you're I'm not telling you you're wrong. I think you're probably fair and right. But do you realize that this is an incredible stat for me? 
You know what? Fred Johnson has started four games at tackle over the last two years. Four games. I think one at right and three at left. I think I'm right on that. No pun intended. But four games at tackle. You know what the Bengals record is in those four games that Fred Johnson has started at tackle? Three and one. How about four and oh? Really? See, that was the key all along. Uh, well, but have they found something with him? I mean, honestly, I mean that. I mean, he was terrible at guard. They tried him at guard early in the year, but he started. Here's, here's the games he started. He started the Tennessee game at tackle, 33 points. He started uh, last year's win over Cleveland at tackle. They scored 30, I'm sorry, 31 points against Tennessee. They scored 33 points last year. He started Monday's game against Pittsburgh at tackle, 27. He started today at tackle, and they scored 37. Uh, again, I, 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 it's probably coincidence. And I would say, you know what, one game is one thing, but four games, that makes me go, huh, do you want to give him a longer look at tackle, perhaps? Well, look, I was, again, I don't know why 68 is on the field. Today, yesterday, any day, I don't no, understand fair. why 68 is playing. So I am totally fine with giving Fred Johnson. Well, now, now keep in mind, now, yeah, if Jonah Williams is healthy, then he probably shouldn't be on the field. But right now, yes, he should probably be on the field. Right. But, I mean, my point is I'm fine with playing Fred Johnson. That's whatever. It doesn't bother me at all if you want to play Fred Johnson over Bobby Hart. I'm all aboard on that. I can't understand how Bobby Hart still gets snaps. However, like this concept that, oh, they've really got something going with the offensive line. Well, Last week, I think the Steelers were the absolute worst team in football with the way they played. That was as poor of an effort as I've seen all season in the sport. Uh, today, and they still like, only had 230 yards. So, I mean, it wasn't like they they did get 27 points, but it wasn't like they were an offensive juggernaut. They only had 230 yards, although they did have a nice chunk on the ground against a good run defense. And and today, again, again I mean, I to be quite honest, I think the Texans mailed in mailed it in, and like I I think the Titans' defense is pretty awful too. So like, yeah, they they're. they're Four and zero with Fred Johnson in there, but also look at like the efforts they were playing against and the teams they were playing. Against. I, I, I'm I'm with you, but it makes me just go, okay. I mean, right or wrong, this yeah, sure, keep playing him. games over two years, and he's four and zero in his starts. That's pretty good to me. Sure, keep playing him. Yeah, I, I, like I said, he should absolutely be playing over Bobby Hart. I don't think that's up for debate at okay. all. Okay, so 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 what if I, I what if I say this? What if I've told you? Because I know everybody's wringing their hands today, and this is probably the topic we need to talk about. Is everybody's wringing their hands that they might have lost Penny Sewell, the Oregon uh, tackle, and oh my gosh, it's going to be Armageddon. And I think I've told you, told everybody this on the podcast. I've told you this. I'm just I'm just not a big believer in college offensive linemen anymore, man. Agreed. I'm just not. Agreed. That's um, why. I, that's why I don't freak out. About, that's why I'm not like freaking out that the Bengals. Me, 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 not me, that big me too. No, You're me not too. Going for so, a franchise quarterback that's a no doubter like Joe. Burrow right. Or, no, or that's, that's, that's that would exactly be it. And so I'm a big believer that if you win, good things happen. And maybe it's suddenly you have to draft a linebacker that you didn't want to draft, but by golly, he's the best guy on the board, and you probably need it or a corner or whatever. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play this game for a second. So let's just assume for argument's sake, and it's just argument's sake. That you found something in Fred Johnson. I'm not telling you you have, but they're scoring 30 points a game in my man's four starts. And that still says something to me, right or wrong. That says something to me that he's doing some good things. No sacks the last couple of weeks. Um, one block one week, two different game plans. So let's just assume he's your right tackle. And we can't not assume that Jonah Williams is your left tackle and that Suofilo and Spain are your guards and that Trey Hopkins is your center. You have to probably go out and do something in the offseason. I think you do just because. But I, I want to see that group against a good defense. And that's where I want to go to next week because it's going to mean something for the Ravens. It's not going to mean something for the Bengals. But I want to see what that group does next week. That's three straight starts for them together. 
That's three straight appearances for them together if they had all those different combinations. And I just go back to Fred Johnson's four nose a tackle. I can't dismiss that. I can't. I know it's easy to do it, but I can't dismiss that. Well, I think the plan going into the offseason should be go all in on fixing the offense and figuring out and getting it to be as productive and as efficient and giving Joe Burrow the best chance possible. It's clearly where you have all your talent right now. Like Joe Burrow looks like he could be a superstar. You have a star in Joe Mixon. You have T Higgins and Tyler Boyd who are very good receivers. Like you have weapons. Gio Bernard is an extra guy in there to throw in the mix that can help you a little bit. So The offense is not bad. You're close to competing on that side, and you've shown it at times even, especially when you had everyone healthy. You got it rolling for a few games there with with Joe Burrow before he got hurt. So I think you're you're not that far off on the offensive end if you can get a respectable offensive line. So if you go in – But are we we closer to that than we thought we were or no? Well, I think, again, the, the first is be, commit all the way to fixing the offense at all costs. So, But by doing so, I think you have to either – look, if there's a, a tackle that you legitimately can get in free agency or something and it just works out financially and he wants to come here, by all means, go out and get that guy because that's – Yeah, Joe, uh, Joe, 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 Joe Tooney's one. Yeah, yeah right. yes. A, a proven thing would be better than hoping maybe Fred Johnson might be possibly, right? Or maybe Fred Johnson's the guy and Jonah Williams doesn't come back as well. But either way, I wouldn't bet on both those guys being bookends. I'd say – if you can go out and get a proven guy, go ahead and do that. If not, then I'm okay with saying Fred Johnson and Jonah Williams are the guys we're going to start with. You know, our, our goal is to get a, a great tackle in the draft if we can get Panay Sewell or someone like that, but we're not stuck on that. We're going to go ahead and, and get the thing that'll help our, our football team the most, and we're going to invest in the offseason by getting a free agent guard. Or, you know, I, I mean, I don't like I'm I actually think Quentin Spain is OK. Like, I think he's a yeah, guy. He plays mean. He's pretty athletic. I'll take my chance with him. I haven't seen enough of Suofilo. I have my doubts that he's really a guy I would like. If you can't get a proven tackle, then go ahead and spend a little money in free agency on a guard to make sure you have at least one proven guy to upgrade your offensive line at one spot and then and draft another one, whether it's the first round or second round pick. But that's where I'm not I'm not overly freaking out about losing Penny Sewell because I think it makes you it makes you think outside the box to the point of what else do we need? Well, you need a lot. You need another pass rusher, you need a linebacker, you need a corner. I mean, th- there's a lot more on the other side of the ball you need. I need to top off the defense wide receiver. I mean, honestly, if Devontae Smith slid to wherever the Bengals are, sign me up for Devontae Smith, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd a wide receiver. I mean, well, I was looking maybe at- I'm wrong, but sign me up for that. I was looking at a couple mock drafts, and and he's one of the names at uh, receiver that is going around those picks and would be a, a, an obvious option for the Bengals. There were two other names that I found interesting, and uh, one of them people have already brought up. It's obvious. Jamar Chase, a receiver going in that same range from LSU, a deep threat, sure. six foot one, 208 pounds. He played with Joe Burrow. That's where he made his name is ca- catching Correct. passes from Joe Burrow. Um, and the and, Jefferson kid was on that same group, and he's been great in the NFL with the Vikings. So, yeah. Right. The other name that I found interesting, and I'm not saying I like this for the Bengals, but it's just a name that's in that range that someone threw out to me and said, what do you think about this is Kyle Pitts, the stud tight end at Florida, 6'6", 246, uh, red zone guy, but also a deep threat at the tight end spot. Do you think it would be, I think the tight end is kind of like the ultimate luxury position on offense, but at the same time, if you can get the next Kelsey Kittle type guy at tight end, which I think a lot of people feel Pitts may be, do you think that's a, a worthy weapon for Joe Burrow if you can't get like Panay Sewell, for instance? 
It's a great point because I don't know about him as a run blocker. I honestly don't. That doesn't. That shouldn't. That that factors in some, not as much as it it probably does. Um, but yeah, I think as a receiver, he is superb. He is in that vein of Kelsey and um, Kittle, Kittle, and that yeah. group of guys. Where you're like, holy cow! I mean, he he can stretch it down the seam, and so suddenly you're looking up and you got four receivers and he's one of them. Cause no offense. CJ Uzama is just a guy. Drew Sample is just a guy. And guess what? If you need to run block on a certain down, well, you still have Drew Sample for two more years. Right. So, I mean, right. it's not like, you know, you're reaching for somebody else and Mason Shrek or whoever else can run block. So no, I'm not opposed to that, Rick. That's where I go back to. I, I, I know everybody's freaking out. Oh, they lost Penny soul. Yeah. And so what? I'm, I'm sorry to hate say, so what? Maybe he's gonna be great. And I hope he does, but I'm just the old Kenny Moore with college offensive linemen. I don't want to watch and wait. I don't. I'm tired of watching and waiting. Give me a guy with proven NFL tape. And that's where I go back to Fred. It's not a lot of proven tape, but 4-0, bro, is 4-0. Yeah, it I says mean, something to me. It, it, okay, it, it says a little bit to me. I'm not buying it all in on, like, the Fred Johnson's proved something because the Bengals are 4-0 when you look at the four games that they He's won. not a pro bowler, but 4-0 is 4-0. Right. Back Again, I'm willing to give him a chance. Sacks. I'm willing to give him a chance and some more snaps. And certainly if Bobby Hart is ever going to be getting snaps, you should play Fred Johnson first. So I'm I'm fine with that. My only thing is whether you're getting Panay Sewell or not, I think you have to invest money in a proven guy in this offseason, yes, whether it's a guard or a right. tackle. You no, have right, to spend some money right. on the yeah. offensive line in a proven guy. And also you have to use some of your draft capital that. Now, if you slid out of the Panay Sewell opportunity, then I think you still invest in offense, whether it be – a game breaker wide receiver, whether you think a guy like Kyle Pitts is worth it, I still think they should go offense. Despite all their deficiencies on the defensive side, I am just all in on make the offense as good as it possibly can be this offseason right now. Figure that yeah, out. Yeah, and I think the defense, I don't think you can be solved by this, but I think you can help yourself by this. By Let's just assume for what we're talking about, you signed one offensive lineman and everything else is done in the draft. That probably gives you capital when letting Gino walk and you let Carlos walk and you've, you let AJ walk at 18 and a half mil. That lets you probably sign or at least attempt to sign Carl Lawson and Will Jackson. Whether you like them or not, it allows you to do that. And I mean, today when Will left, there was a clear line in the sand, right? I mean, that was, that was like, oh, okay, you're out. Guess what? Good luck to stop it. And they never stopped him from that point other than the Sam Hubbard forced fumble. And that was, no offense, that was more luck than anything else, but yes. it was a good play. But bottom line is that wasn't like they stopped them. That was a forced fumble in a weird situation. So, yeah, that, that allows you the capital to do that too, Rick. By the way, you brought up our uh, guy, Carl Lawson, who we brought up last show, and we're talking about, you know, did – is is he finding it again? Is he re-going? I mean, where'd he go today? I mean, he got a quarterback hit or two, I think, but like nothing that mattered. He was a non-factor in the game for the most part. I, where, where was he again against, against a team that's not very good? Against a team that's depleted on the offensive front and lost guys on the offensive front. Too. Right. So yeah, you know, it, it's fair. I, but, I mean, I just don't know that I really want to spend but, any money. If he's, if he's going to fetch any type of raise, I don't know if that's the guy I'm hitching well, my wagon to. He's going to fetch a raise, but the problem is right now you got nobody else. You you, you just you, no, that's you, true. You have, nobody else. you have nobody else. Sam Hubbard, God love him. It was a great play at the end of the not even a great play. It was a good play at the end of the game. It was a fortunate play at the end of the game. Yeah, and he's he no better. No, he's just a guy. He's he's a nice player. Honestly, if he was your tenth best player on defense, you'd go, oh okay. But he's probably your third best, and that's not good, right? It's just not so. 
Um, I'm glad he made the play. I'm glad for him he made the play, but he's just a guy. It's all he is. Yeah, I'm with you. So I, I, I mean, the defense has a lot of issues, but we've seen them be competitive enough in certain games throughout the season, even against some decent teams. I just think with the you have playmakers you have an offense and the fact that you have to build something around Joe Burrow as quickly as possible, that you go all in on offense this offseason. You see what DJ Reader and Mackenzie Alexander and sure, those guys right. actually bring when and they're Trey healthy Waynes. for a full season. And, and, and Trey Waynes, right. Right. So you see what some of your investments from last offseason actually give you. And don't get me wrong, I mean you, you add to your defense with whatever you have left over if you can if you can sign an an extra guy in free agency or if you take a, a third or fourth rounder who happened to give you something that's great but for me this is about offense now and and i if the bengals even if they don't get panay soul i still think you're looking at trying to find another weapon for joe burrow then yeah and 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 that's the the one thing i think that's interesting and it feels like i've been here 33 times in my lifetime with at the end of the year going oh they're close oh they're close and it feels like this time they actually are. Now, whether he's the yeah. right coach, it's the right coaching staff, but it feels like they are. Just because not just the last couple of wins, but some of the other close calls. And when they got dominated, they were dominated by two better teams, Baltimore and Pittsburgh. And, and honestly, the Dallas game, they weren't dominated. They just they honestly they gave it away with turnovers and they got behind and that became what it was. Um, it feels like they're close. And so it feels like, if you can make the right decisions. And that's the thing. I don't know if I trust the organization and Duke Tobin and whomever else and Mike Brown to make the right decisions, but it feels like you're close. You're actually really close because you do have the trigger guy. You do have the guy at quarterback that can make plays and you know, he's going to get better unless he's completely, you know, a mess physically. And in today's modern medicine, I can't imagine that's the case. I mean, there's been a lot of guys that have come back from that. So to me, it's like, you know, what you saw from Brandon Allen today, I can see Joe Burrow doing that on a regular basis with a lot of weapons. I can. I think I feel dumb at this point for getting caught up in the possibility that Zach Taylor might not be back next year. I mean, he's so clearly going to be back. I don't know what no I was question. ever really thinking. Debate. And it, it, yeah, at this point, and it probably wasn't debatable anyway, but it, it's not probably not. now. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is the 90s all over again. That's my fear. It, it really feels that way. I still don't really think he's the guy. And I'll say I have some confidence in him as a play caller. I thought he called a good game today. I thought I think he's done that going even back to the end of last year. He's he's able to figure some things out and and put together different game plans that work with the limitations he's been dealt with. But I worry about his competence as a leader and the cachet he has in the locker room. Oh, and, I, I, I for whatever reason I think he's got that, Rick. I do. I don't know well, why I believe that. I, I don't know if I believe the whole play caller thing. That's the part I think I, I, I would disagree. I, I think he's got that locker room cachet. I really do. Right or wrong, I think those kids believe in him. Um, I, I, mean, I do. I, I think they actually do. I just I don't know how. And and I I think like the bit when he started losing me, to be quite honest with you, is when he was bringing in guys like Jim Turner. I think that was that just showed he had no clue what the hell he was doing. He was doing someone a favor, an old an old guy that he felt he owed. And to me, that's where it's like he he he's not his own man, you know. And I think that's that's his biggest issue. And could be completely off on that. I'll admit I don't know him personally, so it, it is what it is, you know. When we're trying to assess these things from afar, but since no one else is going to step up and, and take accountability in the Bengals front office, and you know Duke Tobin doesn't seem like he's leaving anytime soon. I don't have faith that Zach Taylor is going to wrangle away enough control and get this team and this organization to where it needs to be as 
uh, talent evaluators and uh, shrewd negotiators in the off season. So probably, probably fair, but, but you've coached. I don't know if you've ever like gotten an assistant to say, Hey, this is my guy. I've, I've done that. I've got a couple guys. And so I think sometimes if it's your guy, he's your guy. And I think Jim Turner, right or wrong, is his guy. Whether that's the right thing or not, it's probably not. But occasionally you just take a coach where, you know what, dude, I've loved you as a coach. You're my guy. I've got, and I don't have guys like Jim Turner, but I got a couple assistants and as a basketball coach. And one guy, I will go to the mattress for him because he's a great coach and he is just my guy. I don't care what anybody would tell me. He didn't play a lot of high school basketball at a high level. He, probably in theory doesn't look the part but the man knows how to coach and you know what he's my guy and anybody can look at i i I can tell you i won a national championship with him i went to two final fours with him i've gone to three regional semifinals with him he's my guy he's just and i get that sometimes it's your guy whether that's right or not so i get that for jim turner and i get that for zach taylor now Again, at the end of the year, when you're looking at the offensive line, you're like, they're not very good. You're going to have to make a change. That's the, that's the line of demarcation of, Zach, you got to make a change. And if you don't make a change, I'm going to fire you. And so at that point, you have to go, okay. Or you go to bat for your guy, and then we'll see where that goes. So I, yeah, I get I, it. I just think it makes the whole, when you're going to come in and preach culture and all the BS that he spews, and then you bring in a guy, Jim Turner, who's notorious for being a terrible culture type of guy, it it kind of cuts your own legs out from under the you. funny part is rick i've talked to a lot of those guys they love him right or wrong they love they seem to love him they seem to love him well they all stink so that's probably why they wouldn't have jobs if it weren't for him vouching fred for johnson doesn't think he's four and oh as a tackle remember that <laughs> yeah, he's that's four right and as a that's tackle, right. My fred, man. fred johnson is an all pro tackle but everyone else thinks that's so all i'm issue. telling you the, the man is the miami dolphins of tackles he's four and oh he's got 12 more to go and the dolphins will have to not break out the champagne when fred johnson can look up and go Guys, I'm 16 and 0. Give me the champagne. You are right I'm about that. Athlete. That's on me. I did overlook the Fred Johnson factor. That was on me. Uh, all right. Anything, anything final? You know, the Bengals have slid to fifth now in the current order. And I'm, and um, I'm okay with it. I think you are too. That's the funny part. I think anybody's freed up the Pede Soul thing is relax. Yeah. Like, I, look, I get relax. it. I'm not, I'm not going to be the obtuse fan. Like, I do. It, it does annoy me when people act like they don't understand what fans are talking about, right? Like, you can't say, Oh, why are you complaining about winning when you've been complaining about losing this whole year? It's like, no, they wanted to win when the season was competitive and this team had a chance to compete for the playoffs. And now they want to lose because they want the best pick possible. Like, don't be obtuse about it. Understand where they're coming from. But also, I I agree with the idea that, look, these guys are professionals. They have a job to do. You can't fault them for going out and winning a game. And it's not the end of the world. Like, had this been an opportunity to go get Joe Burrow, then yeah, the franchise should have stepped in and eliminated the chance for a win. You should have sat somebody or had some poor play calling at opportune times. Shouldn't be going for it on fourth downs the way they were in this game if you're trying to lose that game and tank for a, a Trevor Lawrence, a Joe Burrow type quarterback. But when you're going for a freaking offensive tackle, who cares? Like, come on, you're going for the third pick, not the first pick. You know, I mean, come just play the game however it plays out. And and if you happen to win, that's fine. And granted, the, or the Texans and the Falcons will probably lose next week as well. So you're probably not going to move back up, but that's okay. No, no and that's, that's, that's the point. I'm I, again. Everybody could guarantee me, and I was, you know, kind of in that. I don't care if it's Tagovailo. I don't care if it's Justin Herbert. I don't care if it's Joe Burrow. I didn't. You know me. I remember that. I said I'm not sure. You know, the the quarterback is the way to go, and that's okay. But I get why that was the the pick. I get it. Penny Sewell. I mean, 
do we really know? Does anybody really, really, you knew about Joe enough, enough. I couldn't tell you I knew enough to know that he was going to be better than Herbert or Tagovailoa. And I still don't know if he's going to be Rick, but I knew enough to go. I get it. I'm okay with that. But Penny Sewell, I don't know. He's 20 years old. He didn't even play this past year. He opted out. Um, part of me says, eh, that bugs me a little bit. I mean, if you want to show some more on tape, go put some more on tape. But okay, I get it. In theory, you're trying to just get ready for the draft, but no, I'm tired of drafting college offensive linemen and hoping and hoping. Billy Price sucks. Michael Jordan sucks. Cedric Obehi sucked. Jake Fisher sucked. Jury Silet on Jonah Williams. Where am I going with this, right? Now, I mean, that being said, like, if you can get Panay Sewell, I'm fine with getting Panay Sewell. I have nothing against him. Here was the offensive line that started the last two weeks in two wins, right? Trey Hopkins at center, undrafted free agent. Quentin Spain signed as a free agent off the street. Xavier Ciofilo drafted or signed as a free agent as a bottom barrel free agent. Fred Johnson signed off a practice squad. Bobby Hart signed off the street. Dude, it's a matter of have you played in this league and have you shown something? I agree. And and you you see the diamonds in the rough all throughout the draft. All all right. I mean, there's all types of fifth, sixth, seventh rounders in the NFL, especially um, on the offensive line, because in the offensive line, because the college offense is not an NFL offense. It's not even close. It's a complete different animal. Yeah. And the physicality of the position changes immensely from from the two levels. So there's just certain guys that are cerebral enough and just strong enough and just big enough in college that they're great. And then all of a sudden, when everyone is just a little bit faster and you've got more one on one situations that you have to handle yourself and the scheme doesn't save you. You're just not quite as good. And so we see a lot of that. But I mean, that doesn't mean I wouldn't try. Like if you, they can get Panay Sewell, most of the experts right now seem to think that he's the one guy that has a chance to be really, really good. And the rest of the offensive Man. linemen are all question mm. marks. I'm fine with taking him if you can get him, but I'm not going to freak out and tank and worry, right. and change everything I'm right. doing the last four weeks of a season over an offensive lineman that's predicted to go third through fifth in the draft. That we completely know nothing literally about. Nothing. Yeah. And, and by the way, with the Jets uh, not getting Trevor Lawrence now, with them falling out, of the, who's to say they're not going to continue with Sam Darnold and get Panay Sewell for right. him? Like that's, that's exactly right. No, even exactly. have the opportunity either way. So that's correct. Yeah, just I, that whole concept, I think, is just overblown. I wouldn't worry about it that much this year. It's not the same as last year. The, the tanking thing last year was legit. I was all aboard. I would have been pissed if they would have won this game last year. But right, right, this right. year, who cares? I mean, it is what yeah. it is, you know? But at the same time, I'm not buying into the whole, like, no, it's good for these guys to learn how to win. It's like, come on. This is like a skeleton crew. They're running out there playing against Houston Texans team that doesn't care, slot. that's trying no, to tank. Fair. So, yeah, like, I'm not buying into this is like, this is where things are turning for the Bengals. This is exactly what the nineties looked like for the Bengals, to be quite honest with you. I've watched a lot of end of seasons where you're like, Oh, it's great. Yeah, it really wasn't. So exactly. Oh, uh, by the way, by the way, lastly, a shout out to my guy, Cam Hergett from Beachwood high school, Mr. Football in Northern Kentucky, actually, I'm sorry, in the state of Kentucky this year from Beachwood. Um, congratulations to him. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but it's also a football podcast. So shout out to him. Yes, very, very good season for him. And that was, I mean, that was a place known as running back you for decades or running back high, I should say, for decades. It was all about the ground and pound with head coach Noel Rash. He has adapted and uh, Cam probably did that better than anyone so far at Beachwood. So, well, all I can tell you is is he is our five guy in the basketball team. We're playing five out. We're playing like the the Houston Rockets and he doesn't make a bunch of threes. So, son, if you're listening to this, I love you. Congratulations. Get a basketball in your hand. I coach there as everybody knows. Go get some shots up and let's go. 
Yep. Shout out to uh, Brandon Allen and Cam Hergett. There you go. Big Those two guys. Me. Brandon, Brandon Allen probably was a good basketball player. He looks the part, right? He's got that kind yeah. of basketball build, correct? Yeah. Yeah, shout out. I there mean, he go. played well today. I'm I'm high on Brandon Allen right now. Yeah. Dude, he was great. I mean, yeah. honestly, the throw to T. Higgins along the sideline for the touchdown, a couple of throws down the side, and the throw to Erickson down the seam. I thought the guy was great. Yeah, the Good contrast him. between him and Finley from week to week oh. was stark. I mean, that was and that's where and that's where you could that's where you could tell they were like, Are you healthy? Good, we're going. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. Look, Mon- Monday was what it was, and Ryan Finley deserves every credit for engineering that win. But I think you can tell where the pecking order is, correct? That's Correct. exactly where the pecking order is. Yes. So, all right, Rick, I appreciate it as always. We'll be back uh, sometime midweek. I'm dry, I'm, I'm going to Myrtle Beach this week to do a little basketball. Oh, nice. A little beach ball. Well, when, when do you so, leave town? I'm uh, flying out on Monday morning. I'll still be covering the Bengals throughout the week uh, via Zoom. That's the beauty of this. I can go to Myrtle Beach and still cover the Bengals the same way I cover them right now. There's no locker room, so I can just pop on a Zoom, do my thing, and be good to go. There you go. All right. And then we'll do our podcast either probably Wednesday or Thursday. So um, we got a lot to get to. Appreciate it as always, Rick. Uh, we'll talk uh, again midweek. All right. Sounds good. Good stuff. Rick Broing from uh, MusketeerReport.com and Local12.com. I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition.